0: Welcome to the Association 4.0 Podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve.
1: Hello, my name is Sherry Budziak, and I'm the host of this week's podcast. I am here today with Jeffrey Brown. He is the CEO of the National Association of Professional Finance Advisors. I'm so excited to have you here, uh, Jeff, to, to talk to us today. Um, and I'm excited to uh, to hear about what you guys are have done and your leadership uh, during the pandemic and as we kind of navigate the future. Um, so if you can, can you tell our audience a little bit about you and, and NAPFA?
0: Sure. Thanks for having me, Sherry. Um, so NAPFA was founded in 1983 uh, by a group of financial advisory professionals that just wanted to serve their clients in a more efficient and independent and objective fashion. Uh, so we've been around just under 40 years. I've been with the association, wow, uh, eight of those 40. Wow. <laughs> so, Uh, Pretty, you know, not a lengthy tenure, but uh, a little bit longer than I had expected when I took the job in in 2013. You know, I think anybody who's in a role like this has a shelf life. (laughs) Uh, And I figured my shelf life would be five years, uh, especially because I followed someone who had been with the organization for over 20 years. So, you know, typically I just assume it'll be a five-year gig and, you know, we'll do some good work. But um, here I am eight years later. Um, You know, and the reason I stayed with the association or I've been with them so long is just because it's such a vibrant organization and a profession that isn't really what most people think it is. Um, So they're all fee-only financial planners, uh, which means that they are compensated solely by their clients. Um, And you know, you would expect, you know, I think everybody's got this vision of what a financial advisor or financial planner does, but it's really a lot different. Uh, It's truly a a helping profession. Uh, It's not just about your investments. Uh, It's about everything from, you know, your retirement planning to your insurance needs, funding your child's education. Um, So it's really broad. And I think it's emerging as to into one of the next great professions uh, of the 21st century. We've got just over 4000 members. Um, We're growing, uh, which is also a good thing and a good reason to stay in a job for sure. (laughs) Um, But it's just a it's a great community of professionals.
1: It's great. Um, So I'm curious, you know, how has the pandemic experience changed your thoughts about the future of the association industry?
0: You know, it's really been shaped by the experience of our members during the pandemic. Um, You know, in most states, financial planning professionals were essential workers uh, just because they fall Mm -hmm. in financial services um, and they just didn't stop working and a lot of them actually took on uh, pro bono planning oblig- or engagements to help people in need, just because there was a lot of disruption uh, for a lot of Americans when it came to their finances. And just seeing how our members responded, you know, coming from a profession that isn't necessarily thought of as a helping profession, um, just showed me how one resilient and impactful the association industry can be from everything from setting standards for safety measures to, Doing things like our members were doing to help Americans with their finances, to you know our medical professions, um, there's just a lot of opportunity for us to make impact at a societal level, uh, but then also to make an impact at individual, professional, and business levels as well. You know, the words that definitely come to mind for me are resiliency, nimbleness, uh, future focused. You know, I know there are a lot of groups that had a tough time over the last twenty months. If not all of us had a tough time last 20 months, but, you know, I I think it just points to the the amount of opportunity that's on the horizon for the association sector.
1: Yeah, it's been just, you know, I am able to kind of touch and hear stories from a lot of associations in my role, and it's been just amazing the things that the association industry has been able to do for certain professions, as well as just, you know, helping um individuals uh, over the last year so it's been it's been great and and for those that were able to kind of be agile and think about you know what are the things that our our members you know really need and it might not and a lot of times it was out of the scope of what we traditionally did so um so it's been great to to watch and, and hear about but um so what do you think are kind of the opportunities for organizations
0: you know i, I think there is if anything, I've, if there's anything that I've learned over the last year, there's definitely an opportunity on the, the member engagement and experience front. Um, you know, I think pre pandemic, we said that was a major area of focus for us, but the last 20 months showed me that, you know, it really wasn't that much of a focus. It was like tangentially related to some other things that we were doing. But we made it our focus. And I think that allowed us to deepen the relationship with our audience. And so, you know, I think any association that isn't thinking about engagement and experience in a really major way is missing something uh, for the future. You know, it's just a good way to make yourself indispensable in your audience's professional and business lives. And I think that's really what's going to allow you to thrive. Uh, in a future environment, especially when they know that they have so many more opportunities. I mean, this is the first time that I've worked with a community of professionals where I'm competing with members who provide services to other members. Mm -hmm. I'm competing with for-profit sponsors that provide services to members. There's publishers that provide services to members. So the fact that we have the, the retention and engagement that we do just shows us that we're doing something right. And that we've you know, inserted ourselves into our audience's professional lives in a really meaningful way. And I think every association needs to step back uh, and take stock of that. I think the last year uh, has also showed us that you know, new delivery models or you know, delivery models that you would have considered kind of an alternative uh, are gonna be the way of the future. You know, Right now we're having a very significant conversation around you know, how much in-person is going to be the right level of in-person. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, the number of virtual learning sessions that we were able to deliver and the number of people that participated, um, the fact that our, our local experience went into either virtual or hybrid mode, and when you think about geographic areas like Chicago or Los Angeles or New York, or Boston, where, you know what, the idea of traveling from you know, the suburbs to downtown is kind of daunting. You know, traveling across town can be daunting. Um, so it's really about looking at all the lessons and you know new models that we took from the last year, and you know trying to decide what's going to stick uh, and what's going to make us more uh, nimble and flexible going into the future. Um, and then you know you can't forget the importance of leveraging technology. Um, you know, I think some of the things that we were able to accomplish. Uh, during the pandemic and you know up until right now are because of our investments and focus on technology. Um, I think it's uh, you know a double-edged sword for sure (laughs) Um, but if you're not willing and able to make those investments in a really strategic fashion then um, you're going to be missing the boat uh, in the future. So
1: I guess what do you feel are some of the challenges of getting there? I mean I can Probably guess what some of them are, because uh, I think you mentioned some of them. <laughs> <laughs> Opportunities and
0: <laughs> um, you know, I, I think there's definitely some challenges around, you know, the resources, both people and financial. Um, you know, I think that a lot of organizations are going to have to look at how they're structured from a people standpoint and really reevaluate um, you know, what their talent needs are gonna be. I think that's gonna be a major area of focus. Uh, for us going into the future, um, the money aspect is certainly a challenge, uh, especially if you were one of the organizations that just missed out uh, on a huge revenue opportunity by not having any of the in person experiences that would have been a part of your portfolio because of the pandemic. I know, you know, yes, the market's done well. So if you were well capitalized from a reserve standpoint, you probably can make it through. Um, but there's some groups out there that are probably going to have to delay some investments because you know they missed out on a year or longer's worth of, of revenue, and that, that's kind of what hurts uh, yeah. about the scenario that we're in now. Where if you you know missed out on a meeting in the fall of twenty, you were planning for one in fall of twenty one, you might miss that one too. Um, that's two full cycles where you're missing out on those revenue generating opportunities. So it's going to have to. It's going to mean that a lot of organizations have to make some tough decisions, and then you know technology. Um, I I think that that's, you know, the challenge there is that, you know, what you invest in today is probably going to be different tomorrow, so making smart decisions about what kind of tech stack is really going to be uh, the right thing for your internal business, uh, but then also for your external audience, especially when you think about the fact that their experiences and demands are shaped by, you know, their tech experiences, you know, with companies that are much better funded than most associations.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Well, you touched on a few things. I was um, speaking with somebody um, uh, earlier today about talent and, and the challenges with talent and kind of starting to think a little bit out of... I guess, not traditionally about, you know, what your staff looks like and how do you hire those experts? Um, They were saying, you know, they never heard the word fractional um, staffing before and how they've been able to grow and then can actually then also, you know, reduce staff using some kind of different models. You know, I think those, that will be a challenge for organizations. And as you said, the technology, you know, we saw the organizations that had Lovers of technology, and/or looked at what do we have, and how can we, you know, either make it better or leverage it, or really understand the tools that we need. Um, but there's always, always challenges there. Technology always seems to be a challenge, oh, yeah. as we all know. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's why I have a job. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I, I think
0: the fractional aspect, outsourcing. You know, I, I grew up professionally in the AMC world. So I, I've always been really, really comfortable with that idea. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's it's allowed us to make some really savvy resource decisions when it came to, to talent. You know, Did we need a full-time in-house finance and accounting person, or could we outsource it and really get what we needed uh, in terms of the right number of hours, the right composition? And so we've been doing this for, for quite some time. Uh, and it's even bled over into, you know, marketing and communications for us, you know, we don't need a full time, we didn't need a full time digital uh, communications specialist we are about to hire a full time digital communication specialist. Um, but it, it's just about making sure that you understand where you can plug in and play plug and play uh, with those types of, of resources and I, I think it can make almost any association much more competitive. Uh, with your, your talent decisions. Um, but then, you know, I think it's going to go a little bit deeper. Um, you know, there's some functions that everybody just normally thinks of as being a part of an association staff team. But it's like, I feel like they need to be uh, revisited and maybe morph a little bit just for where we are. You know, I think having, a you know, a full-time membership person, does that really make sense, you know, where we are today? You know, is it more of a, a concierge type? Uh, role? Is it more of a tech role where they're, you know, kind of in the, the member database type scenario? Um, so there's just so many opportunities to, to set your staff team up the way that you need to and the way that's right for your organization and your audience.
1: Yeah, kind of rethinking that a little bit. Um, so Jeff, what do you feel is the most important thing leaders can do right now to position their organizations for success?
0: Wow. Um, you know, I, I think it's just really continuing to stay on top of the pulse of your audience, um, because that's really what's driving for us a lot of the decisions that we're making. Um, you know, early on in, in the pandemic, actually, you know, it was probably like late March, early April of twenty twenty. We did some really intense scenario planning um, and looked out. You know, not just over a you know a six month horizon or a twelve month horizon we were looking out over 24 months, you know, 36 months just because we knew that the lasting effects of the pandemic, you know, it wasn't going to just be a flash of the pan and I'm glad that that's the approach uh, that we took because it's allowed us to really have some uh, foundational elements to be able to respond to what's happening in the external environment. So, you know, yes, last spring we were planning for an in-person event, but we had two virtual events already under our belts, we were able to just you know, utilize those project plans to be able to execute what we needed to execute for this audience. Uh, We're planning for an in-person event. I said, I wasn't going to talk about events. (laughs) Uh, We're Planning for an in-person event uh, in October, which if we can't do it, um, we know that we can pull off, you know, a virtual experience for our audience. So I think it's, you know, having sound scenario plans uh, done and able to be utilized for future occurrences, uh, staying on top of the pulse of your audience, uh, and then just, you know, taking care of your people. Um, You know, our staff teams have been through so much over the last 20 months. I mean, they're dealing with the effects of the pandemic in their personal lives. They're dealing with a lot of disruption professionally. We've asked them to, to work differently. And for a lot of people, you know, that could just be very, very impactful and we can't accomplish anything if we don't have the right people in the right place at the right time. So that's one of the things that, you know, I talked about with our volunteer leadership, you know, it was, okay, we're going to focus on member engagement and experience because that's our bread and butter. That's what we're here for. But we can't forget the people that typically would have sat in this office and executed those programs because they're going to be the ones that have been carrying those flags for so long. um, And we need to make sure that, they're taken care of. That their health, their safety is paramount because we're going to be nothing without them. So if you're not thinking about your people, uh, you're missing an opportunity because you know the job market is getting hot, uh, and people are going to remember how you took care of them or didn't take care of them when they needed it most. Um, and so you know that's just one of the things that's top of mind for me.
1: That's some some great advice and thoughts there, Jeff. The um, one thing that that. I was thinking about as, as you were talking around this, you know, taking care of people, I think that us being in this remote environment too, we don't see necessarily the stress or the tears that someone might have when they're like, they can't take, you know, they're stressed out at their, at the office. Um, so those little things and trying to be sensitive as to, you know, how many Zoom meetings have you been on? Or did we schedule a lunch break? Or, you know, I think that impact of the go, 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 and we had to do so much to kind of pivot in these new roles, almost, you know, we, we obviously, we went to this, you know, virtual meetings and education while well, those skill sets were new for most people and all of that over time, you know, it wears on people. So I, so I think that's, that's, um, you know, great advice and, and something that needs to be pointed out for people to think about um so in terms of kind of business models uh you know we're obviously everybody's kind of taken a step and looking at how do we do things differently um and talk about the association business model i think even pre-pandemic associations right we were going to sessions, to talk about, will the association business model change? And they were like, yeah, maybe it will, but we're still gonna keep doing what we're doing. Um, and, but I guess, you know, what are your thoughts? Do you feel that, and, and I, I've heard people on both sides of the, you know, of the debate around the association business model um, changing. Guess, what are your thoughts around that? <sighs>
0: um, I think the association business model has been morphing and it will continue to morph. You know, I've been, i what, my 21st year, so I'm still a baby when it comes to, you know, working in the association field, at least I like to think so. But I feel like every year I've been in the field, there's been a conversation about how the business model is changing. And that's, you know, been driven by external forces like the availability of technology, you know, unforeseen competitors. So I feel like this is a constant conversation that needs to be had. Uh, and that we need to be able to act on. You know, I don't think that every association audience uh, is ready for that type of business model disruption. There are some groups that are still doing business the same way that they were doing it fifty years ago, uh, yeah. and for them, you know, that's just how their audience is set up, how their audience is ready to consume products and services. Yeah, there may be like some new tools, like. We're going to have a webinar instead of always having to be face-to-face and you know for them that's the extent of their ability or desire to take risks as an audience and that's fine um, but for those of us that are in fields where there is a lot of competition from natural competitors and non- unnatural competitors who are also supporters um, if you're not thinking about how you're going to change your business model to be more competitive in the future then uh, you're probably not going to be having a conversation about your business model, you know, five years from now or 10 years from now, because someone's going to, uh, you know, Uber you or DoorDash you, right? <laughs> uh, you know, just come in and completely disrupt your industry. Um, you know, we've seen it in some regards, and we've been able to navigate that by having some know establishing some really strong partnerships showing where we have overlap and where we're complementary that sort of thing and i I think associations need to do that as well um there's got to be a conversation and a high comfort level with the distinction between members and customers (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know that's something that you know we've been uh, coming to terms with for the last few years. You know, not everybody wants to be a member of this association. Um, they don't need or want the local community. Maybe they just want some continuing education. Maybe they just want to hang out with you. Uh, whatever it is, if there's something that you can offer them, then you should be okay with supplying it. Um, but then, you know, take care of your core audience. And so I think associations from a business perspective, you know, need to be set up uh, to do that. But you know, I, I think there's a shift happening. I think some of it's going to be accelerated by the effects of the pandemic. You know, I'm definitely not consuming content, information, products, services from the associations that I belong to the same way I did back in February of 2020, and I'm okay with that. Um, I know that it, when I'm ready to, I'll be able to dive back in and hang out with my my people. Um, you know, we've got a great community here in Chicago, and I'm looking forward to that. But you know, I would assume and want those associations to think about how they can do something different uh, going forward and so I know it's a conversation that we're going to have we're about to from an NAPA perspective uh, we're about to embark on a a long-term strategy development project Um, and you know what we've been doing is looking back at okay where did we miss the boat you know the last few times we've done this or what would we want to do differently and we're going to do those things because we know that, you know, whatever happens, we're gonna come out of this more competitive than we were, you know, a year ago, two years ago. Um, And it's just been really good to see how our uh, volunteer leadership, the member of our staff team, members of our staff team have, you know, taken to this concept. Um, You know, I'm fortunate that most of our members are are small business owners. um, And so they're always you know, looking for any type of challenge that, you know, they can apply to their own professional lives. And this is really just the type of conversation that I think they're going to be really interested in. So, uh, yeah, the association business model is changing. It's always been changing. Um, And I think, you know, we just need to get comfortable with it, that we're not immune to, you know, how every, you know, sector has to kind of morph with the times. And so, you know, I'm excited about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, So, Back to the conversation about technology. Um, (laughs) I guess, you know, (laughs) yeah. Uh, How is technology continuing to change how associations operate? I mean, obviously we saw that, you know, there were opportunities with more virtual education and virtual meetings and everybody pivoted as quickly as they could to that. I guess, how else do you think about, you know, as we kind of look to the future, you know, how technology will continue to change how we operate?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think for us, we're looking at tech from the standpoint of how can it make us more efficient? Um, You know, most associations are are like us. I mean, there's a lot more small staff associations than there are large associations. Um, Mm -hmm. And that means that you're going to have constraints when it comes to people and dollars. And, you know, you should be looking at technology as a tool that can help you address those challenges. So if there's a tech tool out there that can make, you know, the work of 10 people able to be done by three, um, that's what you should be looking for. I mean, I think about webinar, you know, virtual events, webinars, that's low hanging fruit. Um, it's not transformational. It's kind of transactional. Uh, we're really looking for those tech tools where we can deploy some, some workflows or tools that are going to make it. So, you know, one person isn't spending you know her time doing you know a 15 step process. You know, she's only doing three steps because the technology is helping to alleviate some of those other processes. Um, It's easier said than done, for sure. Um, But I think that's how we should all be approaching our tech uh, technology uh, expenditures. You know, the the member experience is important, um, but when you think about the amount of time that members uh, spend you know, leverage utilizing your technology tools versus the amount of time that your staff spends with them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, okay, where are you going to deploy your resources? Because you think about, so I always think about how can someone have more time to have meaningful interactions with our audience? Uh, and technology is certainly a vehicle to make that happen. Uh, so that's kind of how we're approaching it, but, you know, make the investments. There's a lot of great tools out there, uh, but you have to do your homework. Um, There's nothing worse than getting stuck with a bad product or a product that isn't right for you um, because, you know, you didn't do your due diligence or you didn't engage a partner or partners to help you navigate uh, such a complex world, especially if you don't have internal uh, IT resources. Um, It can be very daunting. Uh, And I think a lot of us just figured out over the last 20 months that tech is here to stay. It's been here to stay. Um, but it it can be a huge difference maker or it can, you know, end up with, uh, you know, damaged relationships and audience that's that's disgruntled. You know, I I was just happy that, you know, for the majority of the pandemic, you know, our technology served us well, Um, you know, and so I just want to hope that we can carry that forward into the future.
1: Well, I think it's important to think about, you know, the, as you kind of talked about automation, right? Like what are things that we can automate? What are the tools that we have? Um, We actually, as a, know we probably have a similar kind of staff size but we've um over the last year we've grown as well and we have all these tools and i said we're kind of our worst like client ourselves like because we weren't taking the time to just take a step back and automate right like we're like okay so let's just uh, we actually created an internal Project ourselves, and we put a team together, like a consulting team, and we're like, these are all the steps, and what can we automate, and what can we not automate to kind of streamline things as we're growing, right? So it is taking like taking a a step back and saying, okay, we're all busy, but how do we, you know, how can we automate processes? What are the tools that we have, and and how can we help help ourselves here, (laughs) right? Well, and you know, I think
0: the pandemic definitely helped with adoption uh, because, you know, people had a little excess time potentially because, you know, you, you weren't commuting. So we did bring some new tools online. Um, I think people got comfortable with, you know, interacting with each other in a very different fashion. Um, and so there, there was just a lot of willingness and openness to doing things differently. And I think that automation piece is, is so key. It's so yeah.
1: Key. Yeah. So what do you think is the most important new, new or, technology for associations. Do <laughs> you got the oh, magic wow. bullet?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do, do not have a, have a magic bullet. But do you, if have you, the do, do you hear of one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: do my <no>. job
0: button. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think for us, um, you know, these aren't new tools, but the things that we've rolled out internally have been huge different difference makers. And I, I think this would be true for most associations because so much of what we do Uh, is either a repeatable process, or it's iterative. iterative. Um, You know, how many ways can you plan a conference? Well, maybe like one or two, three, four. So if you make that investment on the front end um, and, you know, utilize a tool like Asana or Basecamp or something, whatever is right for your team to outline what the steps are and tasks and deliverables and so on and so forth, you know, that's going to pay dividends, you know, into the future. It's going to, you know, be a great asset if you have staff transitions because there's like history of how did we go through this. Um, It allows people to collaborate, you know, both internally and externally in a more efficient fashion. You don't necessarily have to have a meeting to run through, you know, here are the 15 things that I had to do today and I only did 13 of them. I can go and look at Asana and see, you know, where you are in the process flow. So I think, you know, tools like that um, are certainly, you know, super beneficial. You know, everybody's going to need the right AMS. Uh, for their audience and the structure of their business. So, you know, make the investment there. Um, But then look for some of those, you know, ancillary tools like whether it's for project management, you know, marketing automation. Um, I can tell you we are about to implement an an MA platform and our members couldn't be happier. Like they're excited to have the opportunity to choose and we're probably a little late to the game on that one. Um, But I'm really excited about that because it means that we can personalize some of our communications in a more meaningful way. We can allow people to opt out of the ones that they don't want uh, or don't need. Um, And so it's just going to make us a little bit more, um, a little better in how we communicate with people. And I think everybody will appreciate that because, you know, the amount of email did not go down during the pandemic. Right,
1: exactly.
0: (laughs) In fact, I think it went up. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so, you know, just little things like that. It's just like finding the right tech tools that are going to be a difference maker for your organization, your team. Your audience, um, so it's really not about a magic bullet for me. Um, it's just what's right for you that you don't already have, or you have and you're not using in a meaningful way.
1: Yeah, that's great. So, anything else that before I I end for today, I know that you're really busy, and we I appreciate your time. But any last thoughts or comments?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would just you know say thank thank you for having me, Juan. Um, you know, I think any conversations about technology, digital experience, transformation, uh, totally needed still. Um, So just keep doing that. And, you know, any association that's not thinking about these things and the opportunities that they can present for you in the future is probably missing something that's going to be a huge difference maker for them.
1: Well, great. Well, I really appreciate your time. um, And uh, thanks. And thanks for sharing with our audience.
0: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing. Please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.